0: Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML.
1: So the other day at a city council meeting, my next guest um, raised an issue and was promptly torched on social media for asking the question. Uh, That said, I think that a lot of people have probably asked the same question, maybe not publicly, but in their own heads. And that is in these difficult, unusual, I think unprecedented is a fair word times, is it unfortunately going to be necessary for the city to make some cuts to staff, whether it's layoffs or whether it's asking for a salary reduction across the board or whether it's cutting back hours or something. Is this going to be a requirement? And it became an even bigger issue in the last day or so. You just heard the news. Rick was just doing the news. The city is losing millions of dollars because of this. We're now, I think it's 20, $22.9 million behind in the whole That has to come from somewhere because cities are not permitted to run deficits. So they can't just wash their hands and say, oh, we'll get to that someday. No, they have to pay this back somehow. That money's got to come from somewhere. So this is a painful topic. There's no question about it. And it is an unpopular topic, but it's probably not one that we can ignore forever. I want to bring in Terry Whitehead, who was the counselor who raised the idea, asked the question, if nothing else, the other day. Terry, thanks for doing this today
2: oh no problem it's great to be with you and your listeners
1: well you raised this the other day uh you did get hammered for it online but i i, well, it f-
2: I mean i got i got hammered by leftists
1: okay I mean,
2: the rallies they they're not money they're not a dollar they don't want to spend the problem is when i get phone calls at home when i get emails well, and i get I, I walk down the street at go to the store and i got whether well, it's the parents of, of of their their kids that have four children and they've been both laid off in the retail industry. They got not, they got no money coming in and they don't know what's going to happen next and when you look at the first wave about twenty five percent of the people getting laid off three three weeks ago from most of the private sector jobs, the hospitality and then you look then we're over fifty percent uh, uh, that are becoming unemployed as a result of uh, of uh, what's taking place and and, and, and they're, they're crying and they're, and the first question to them when we came out with the deferral for the taxes is how is that relief? I mean, yeah, they, they, it's gracious. They, 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 it's not like they hate the idea, but they, they're, they're wondering if even for the, the, the month that we're not providing all the services like closing down our rec centers, is there going to be any relief for those people that have to pay the bills but have no jobs and no income? So that's what I'm dealing with. And I represent people, those people out there. And my job is to ensure that we have equity in regards to how we respond to these issues. And we know this is going to be a deep hole for many municipalities. And Hamilton is no exception. And not only is it a deep hole, it's going to be a hole that's going to last more than a year. Because the recovery, especially in the hospitality industry, is going to be a little longer than other areas. And than not even services.
1: just hospitality. I mean we all know like there's so many areas right now and this is this is why this becomes so difficult Terry and look I, I don't think I don't get the sense that you're reveling in cutting people or anything like no, that but, no. but if you had a company a private sector company that lost 23 million dollars in the first quarter I think you would be considered an idiot owner or president or chairman or whatever if you didn't look at how do we deal with this. And yet, I don't... I mean, has the city done anything yet to try to deal with the money that is flowing out and being lost?
2: Well, I, I, my, my question is, how do we stop the league? Because there's things that we're not going to be able to control, and that's why you're already looking out. Revenues are down. Uh, there's things we can't control. But there are certain things we can control. So here's the, here's the question, and I don't... And that's why I... You know, I get a lot of people that like the fact that I, I ask the tough questions. we got some best workers... In the world. I mean, I, the, our workers, in my humble opinion, I've been told pretty to every department. We've got excellent staff. So this is not a strike against them. But how do I go in front of a mom and dad who's got four children, who's got no income now all of a sudden, and they're asking me a question what are we doing to cut their expenses?
1: Yeah, I, what, what are we doing? I again, it comes back millions and millions of Canadians now in the private sector have lost their jobs or seen hours cut or whatever else. And there are people, not just you, there are people who are saying, well, is it outrageous to raise the question then, could some of this be extended to the public sector that also, you know, that they're making a lot of money too, or making money, I want to say a lot of money. Is it outrageous to raise the idea that maybe we need to tighten things up a bit?
2: well and, and, and let's be clear it's about having the conversation i mean the ultimate decision is made based on a metric i mean something that's logical and that people can understand people will make an argument for example that you know for the economy to go you need to be pe- have people that make money to spend money right most people want to see people uh, that receive money actually provide a service and there's you know, the whole issue that can we redistribute uh, those workers in other areas of the city. That uh, you know, and, and will they be needed in the context of dealing with this pandemic? So th- there's a lot of discussion can take place, but it needs to be had. And I'm basically saying, look, these people are crying for help. You know, and I had a lot of people that weren't all that impressed with the deferral, and they were looking for something more. And I'm never been afraid of asking a tough question at council, because it's something that needs to happen. Let me uh, and let then me have ju- the conversation. You come up. Uh, with a strategy, the best strategy you can can come up with,
1: and you have
0: an explanation. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: Rather unpleasant topic, quite honestly, and that is uh, jobs and job cuts and where trims may have to be made. The city is now, it's announced that it's $23 million in the hole already, and remember, cities by law are not permitted to run a deficit. So whether it's next year, well, somehow either the federal and provincial government are going to give bailouts to the city and the taxpayers are going to have to pay that back or they're not. And the taxpayers here are going to have to pay that back in increased property taxes. But somehow that money's got to be paid back. And so how do you do that? Well, maybe... And it's unpleasant. Maybe one of the ways is you have to start trimming costs in the city so that money doesn't keep rising. But if that, if you do that, that may mean cutting jobs, even temporarily, which nobody wants to hear and has raised a furor. Councillor Terry Whitehead raised this issue at council. Should we have this discussion? Um, Terry, you mentioned that you know social media did what social media does. What was the response when you raised this question around the council table?
2: Everyone understands it. I mean, no one, You know, it's like some people believe that this is something that we shouldn't um, have a conversation about. I'm going. What's your constituents? What are they saying? Are they 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 happy with the circumstances they're in? Are you not getting calls from people that are, are now like are are having anxiety about how they're going to pay their next bill, and and then they're asking point blank questions. The rec centers are all closed. We can't use them. We can't use the parks. We don't do yard and waste anymore. Are those employees still getting paid?
1: And what's the answer? Yes. So correct me if I'm wrong with what I said at the beginning about how we can't hold a deficit. We can't run a deficit by law. Now, I understand these are exceptional circumstances, but there are, as I understand it, only two options to this then. Either we get a bailout from higher levels of government or somehow next year on your municipal taxes, that money, those tax increases are going to have to pay for that, correct? Is there a third option?
2: No, there's not. I mean, the, the reality is if the, the, the governments don't step up the plate and, um, and I mean, I'm sure, that, I mean, the law is under the control of the province. We're a creation or the creature of the, of the province. So they have every control under this, um, you know, these circumstances, these unique circumstances, once in probably our lifetime uh, experiences uh, they would probably step in and make the the changes uh, in the legislation uh, so from a deficit point of view uh, you know that could be one of the options uh, I, I got to think that uh, they understand what's happening with municipality oh, sure they understand that the revenue is going to be down dramatically right across every municipality across this country and that uh, they're gonna to have to step up to the plate and help facilitate that because there's only other, only one other place we can go, or two other places. One, we we, we, we cut and services dramatically until we pay the bill, or two, we that, which means that you're laying people off for a longer term. Right. So it,
1: it, well, yeah. I mean, somehow this money is going to have to be paid back somehow, and ultimately that's going to come from the taxpayers, whether it's tax paying taxes to provincial or federal, or whether it's paying correct. taxes to municipal. Correct. It's coming from the taxpayers. Correct. And so, That's the deeper correct. we go into this hole, the more taxpayers are ultimately going to have to pay this back. Correct.
2: So, what, shouldn't we be doing things to mitigate and be seen to mitigate what we can control? And there's very little we control. I mean, eighty percent of our servers are always downloaded anyway. And uh, when it comes to uh, the, the, you know what we collect in taxes, uh, so what we can control. Like, how would you answer that question if you were a counselor when you have people coming up to you and saying, oh, by the way, are these people getting paid? I mean, I'm sitting there, yeah, and I don't have a, a real explanation of why.
1: It, I mean, look, it is it's a it is a hugely problematic thing. I do want to ask you this. Have, um, have city councillors taken a pay cut or done anything to sort of show that they're going to lead the way on this one at this point?
2: You know, I've had that conversation um, that I was going to try and just do it on my own, but the problem is the minute I open up, it puts the other counselors under the same banner. And the challenge with that is not everyone's in the same circumstance, right? Some may be, it might be the sole income for the family. So the question becomes, is it a little bit self-serving that my wife works, and she's still working, that I'm prepared to take the hit and then force that pressure on Councillors may not be in the same circumstance.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that as soon as it comes to laying people off, if that were to come, the first thing that's going to be pointed out is that the councillors aren't doing anything, and you know that's coming too because that's that that always comes up, yeah, and but, that, but that would seem that, to be a, a logical the, first step.
2: The issue, the issue is not just laying off for the purpose of laying people off.
1: Oh, well, of course not.
2: Well, the the, the, uh, the issue is, like I said, if there's if we can reallocate them on COVID. Uh, uh, issues and tracking or whatever needs to be done as we step forward and, and continue this fight with the invisible enemy. The question is, um, uh, should people get a full salary for sitting at home?
1: It is something and that so you're I...
2: You're suggesting councillors are sitting at home and not working.
1: No, I didn't say that. I didn't well, say that. that
2: by, by making that comment, There would suggest there's no value. And my point is, it's not. The, it's not the same comparison. Right it's not if, if, if you you are a worker that does a specific you provide a specific value, but you're now sitting at home and you're not doing that value and it's no fault of yours let's be clear it's not, but it's the circumstance that other people are in the same situation and and but they're not getting paid now the good the good news is is that the federal uh, government has come up with some uh programs and we'll see where this all ends, but there's going to be offsets. yeah it won't I- be perfect. But we are talking temporary, right? We're
1: and we are. We are. And this is going to be something we're going to be talking about for a while. I have to go. Unfortunately, I got, I'm out of time. But it is something we're going to be talking about because something is ultimately going to have to be done, you would think. And uh, this uh, this is not the last time this is going to come up. Councillor Terry Whitehead, always appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. No problem.
0: Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I'm
1: going to move away from coronavirus mostly for the next little while, um, although we, we kind of start there because everyone is at home because of it. But because everyone's at home, because everyone is self-quarantining, Netflix has been getting a workout, probably in your house too. Uh, and I, look, we're all the same. I've watched some terrific shows over the last number of weeks. Unbelievable is a great show. If you need a good show to watch, Unbelievable. Uh, the Devil Next Door, it's an engrossing series. The Stranger was a great watch. And then there's Tiger King. Then there's Tiger King. If you haven't watched Tiger King, I think it's fair to say you're in the minority at this point. Netflix said a few days ago that 34 million people watched in the first 10 days of release. And considering they don't know how many people are watching, they they know how many sets or devices are watching, it could be way, way higher than that because you could have more than one person watching it at a time. So here's the thing. If you're one of the few people who hasn't seen Tiger King, I can't whittle down the plot To one sentence, it's just impossible. But let me do my best to try and give you an outline. It's the story of a, a narcissistic, bigamist, gay, country singing tiger breeder in Alabama named Joe Exotic. Who once ran for president and governor. And it's about his ongoing fight with an arch enemy who may have killed her husband and fed him to a tiger of her own. We'll keep it to that. That's the simplest plot line I can give you. Um, Forbes magazine called it unmissable, an unmissable, ugly portrait of humanity. Anyway, this has been great business for Netflix, less so for owners of private zoos who are probably having to tell people this is not really what happens at our zoo, uh, including my next guest. Uh, Jennifer Stallman is owner of Branford Twin Valley Zoo. Uh, she joins us now. Jennifer, thanks for doing this today. I appreciate your time.
3: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having us.
1: Uh, am I completely dreaming if I would think that you've probably had to explain to some people that this is not normal life in your everyday existence?
3: Uh, we have been the victim of a few Tiger King memes and some jokes and some side puns, and yes, but a few explanations.
1: Uh, I mean, it is, a, it is a show. It's a reality show, but it's still, it's, a, it's an entertainment vehicle. I, I'm wondering, does it surprise you that people might think that that's real for everybody?
3: Um, yes and no. I think that, I hope that the vast majority of people realize that that, that's not an accurate portrayal of our world. Um, But I'm sure that there's a few people that would take it for face value.
1: Uh, More specifically, does, is something like this having an effect on your business?
3: Um, It it does affect us to a certain extent. Um, Like I said, we are, we have had a few Tiger King memes uh, pop up. But um, it tarnishes our image uh, on a whole. It it perpetuates an inaccurate portrayal of uh, zoos and the standard within Canada.
1: Have you watched it, by the way? I have. <laughs> okay. All right. So so you've been through it. All right. Besides the part about feeding a husband to a tiger, which I'm assuming you haven't done to this point anyway. Um what, no, no. what what is the craziest part? What was the part of the show that came up and I'm not talking about even the people part of it. I mean just around the animals. What was the craziest part where you just said, "Come on, you got to be kidding me."
3: Oh, I don't even I I the entire series just kind of left me speechless I really I can't comment the the tuna on the shoes was absurd and I surprised it ended like that the all of it the shows the the way the dress wear it, it was all just baffling I can't I can't wrap my we still can't wrap our heads around it
1: It, it certainly could if you were uh, not really thinking discern not using a lot of discernment it could certainly lead people to conclude that big pat big cat people are a little special.
3: I think that that actually applies to a lot of niches. You get that within certain groups and certain hobbyists. And there's always those extremists that just take it to a whole other level.
1: Let's go through some of the things that came up. And again, I'm going to leave the people part of this out because that's the soap opera. And that is, I don't know that you could ever replicate that anywhere, nor would you want to.
3: I hope not. Yeah. And,
1: and if people have not watched it uh, again, all I can tell you is go watch uh, it's, it would take us hours to explain all the people in this show. It is really a, a circus. But anyway, let's go through a few of the animal things because that's your expertise. That's what you do at the zoo. Mm-hmm. And, and for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, I, I suppose I'm obligated to say spoiler alert because some of the stuff we talk about will come up in the show, obviously. Mm-hmm. In one of the episodes, there is a staff member, a, a zoo employee who has her arm ripped off by one of the big cats. Mm-hmm. Could that happen at a at your zoo or at some other private zoo?
3: Uh it could absolutely happen at, at any facility. We have standards within the zoo community that you have a barrier gate. Um we only have three keepers that are trained to work with our big cats because they are it is a it's a more dangerous
1: risk. Do, but the in that scene, if I remember correctly, basically she was reaching into a cage and just, I don't know if it was feeding or petting or whatever else. I mean, is, is that commonplace behavior that you would sort of tease the animal? I don't even know if she was teasing them, but is that normal behavior, is that commonplace behavior?
3: Oh, no, no, absolutely not. That's not commonplace behavior. I, and I, I, I can't comment to the scene because I'm unaware whether she was feeding or petting. Or, I can't remember either. Or not, like, just not paying attention. But that's kind of, those are your key components to a well-educated animal care specialist and is to not put your hand in the enclosure. That's kind of 101. You don't stand and put your hand in. You're aware of your surroundings. You're aware of where your animal is.
1: The um, one another part that made a lot of people squirm. Most of the food that they were serving to the animals seemed to be from the Walmart week overdue food truck. Oh they, yes, that is that different. commonplace? No.
3: Oh my goodness. No. No. There are several standards in place for your feed and the quality of food that you're giving to your cats. That was that was an atrocious scene. I was very I was appalled by
0: that. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
1: We're talking about Tiger King because everybody's watching Tiger King and everyone's getting their, um, well, I don't want to say everybody, but a number of people will be gathering impressions about private zoos from what they have seen on Tiger King, which, um, as Jennifer mentioned a couple of moments ago, probably not the ideal situation for those who own these zoos. Uh, Just before the break, you were saying about private zoos and you wanted to pick that topic up. Go ahead.
3: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify. A lot of our, our listeners and um, our followers are a little bit uncertain about what the private zoo actually means. And basically all that means is that we're not funded by the government. We raise our own our own funds and our own finances to support us independently. Um, my in-laws created this zoo. So we we still have the, we answer to the Ministry of Natural Resources for a zoo license. We also work alongside them with um, native species that cannot be re-released. We also have OSTCA inspections, the same as other zoos. And we do follow the Canadian Association for Zoos and Aquariums regulations and standards.
1: And that seems to me to be, uh, just on the surface, the biggest difference, because in this show, there doesn't seem to be any kind of regulation whatsoever about anything that's going on.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I I do know that there's the American Association of Zoos and Aquariums. I I don't believe that either of the facilities we're members of them, I'm not entirely sure, I can't speak to that, but um, it, yes, the regulations are, are different here in Canada.
1: So, what happens? So, you, you mentioned at least three just there that you are subject to for licensing or for regulations. Mm-hmm. Are there uh, so people know? Because, look, there are people who are who don't love the idea of zoos, we know that, and, and they are very d- defensive of animals, and we understand that again. Mm-hmm. Do people come regularly and do spot checks? Are there people who will show up and make sure you're following the rules?
3: Yes, absolutely. We have the Ministry of Natural Resources visits us at least once a year, and the OSPCA visits a minimum of twice a year, and those, uh, one of those inspections has to be a uh, surprise inspection.
1: And what happens if they find something that isn't good enough? Can they shut you down on the spot? Can they take away your animals? What can they do? What, what's their power?
3: um it depends on the severity of the situation i've we've never actually come across any kind of situation like that so i can't speak to um, whether they could shut you down i would assume a very a poor situation they could absolutely shut you down and um, they'd confiscate the animals and
1: rehome and i mean we look we have seen uh, not with you guys but with um uh, you know one of the it's it's a zoo of sorts a, a marine land has been in the news now for a number of years because a number of people have made some complaints um mm-hmm. You know, I mean, th- this is a this is a a tricky area right now because it is pe- people have very strong feelings about this. They they do, and, and I'm not I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't already know.
3: No, and I understand those feelings. I do. It's not that we um, it's not that we've taken these animals from the wild and we've stuck them in small cages and they're on display for public entertainment and they're exploited. There's um there's a huge gray area and a, and. That's hard for a lot of people to see. I, I understand and empathize with not wanting to see animals in cages. The reality of it is we have animals that live in captivity and without that kind of connection and that, um, that one-on-one experience with the animal, we, we don't end up saving those ones in the wild.
1: Um, one of the things that happened on this show a lot, and it was a real problem, obviously, on, and we're talking about Tiger King again that people are watching, is the um, free breeding of these animals and then mm-hmm. selling them all over the United States to, and pretty much anybody who wants a tiger or a lion, they seem to be able to buy one. What are the rules here? If you have, now I, I understand that most of yours aren't breeding, but if you had a cub, could you sell it to someone who wanted to buy a tiger cub?
3: No, we, no, we can't. And we don't just, for the record, we don't breed any of our our cats here. They have all been either um, spayed or have a vasectomy in place because we don't, we don't want to put other cubs out there. And no, we can't just, you can't just sell them. I not, I don't know what the rules and regulations are in the States again, but I do know that there are more cats in captivity in the States
1: than there are in the wild. If you had, now have you ever bred cats there? Or had baby. C- we have
3: had cats that have babies, yes, and they they live on site.
1: And do you have to? Is there any kind of registration? Like, does the does somebody or does some organization or some legislative body have to know what you have in your possession as far as animals?
3: No, not at this time. Um, we have moved forward in Ontario with a bylaw called the PAWS bylaw, P A W S PAWS, and the Solicitor General will be. Um, overseeing that the Ministry of the Solicitor General is now overseeing all of that, so they'll, I'm sure they will come forward with some new regulations.
1: I mean, it's 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 interesting, and and, and thankfully, uh, nothing nothing like this show because uh, uh, different worlds. Uh, well, before I let you go, though, do your cats run wild through your house and have free reign in the house?
3: Never, no, no, my goodness, no, and we have. This is a very testy time for everyone, and, and we do hope everybody is staying safe. Um, I just want to let everyone know we are. We do have a GoFundMe right now. Um, I am trying to raise funds to help my in-law zoo and continue doing what we do here in our education programs and, and remain a part of our community that we love so much.
1: So if somebody was interested, the GoFundMe page is under Brantford Twin Valley Zoo?
3: It is. It's under uh, Brantford Twin Valley Zoo, and please help us.
1: Jennifer Stallman, uh, again from Brantford Twin Valley Zoo. I uh, listen. I do appreciate Hi. you coming on and talking about this because I mean it is uh, it is front of mind for a lot of people, and it's it's great you took a few minutes.
3: Oh, thank you. We appreciate
0: it. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML.